Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Manny Lubin of Slate Milk. Listen as Manny tells the story behind a successful Kickstarter campaign that led to the vision of Slate Milk becoming a chocolate milk that is high in protein, but also delicious. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Manny Lubin of Slate Milk. Manny, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. Uh, where did you grow up, and what would you say your childhood was like? Oh, man. I don't remember too much about the toddler days, but so I, I grew up in Wellesley, Mass. It's a suburb of Boston. Yeah. So to my to my core, I, I like to think of a mass hole. Like still, uh, I mean, I'm more of a Tom Brady fan than a Pats fan, but but <laughs> Pats, Sox, Bees, Celts. Yeah. And I uh, up until I went to college, the only thing that I really cared about was sports. Mm. Like I kind of rode the B minus train in uh, in high school. Yeah. And every once in a while, like my mom would would say that she would. Give me money if I got A's and apply myself a little bit more, and and, and that's usually <laughs> when the grades went up a little bit. Yeah. Um. But it just, I just didn't care too much about my grades. I just wanted to be good at sports, and yeah. so I, I think that's why I really focused on and played football, basketball, baseball until the junior year of high school, and then just uh, football and baseball through varsity. Yeah. And uh, that was that was my life, man. I love it. I'm curious, um, kind of through those years and going at, looking at college, I saw you went to Northeastern. Was athletics oh. an intention going into there as well, or what happened there? Yeah, so I the plan was I applied to, I think, nine out of ten schools I applied to had football programs, and Northeastern was one of them. And then I applied and got in, and I was going to try to walk on the football team, just toss some pads on, and, and I was never going to go pro. But uh, <laughs> then they cut the football team, but I liked the school. Yeah. And so went to college and then my freshman year playing pickup basketball actually tore everything on my knee. And so that's when I just started, yeah, ACL, MCL, meniscus. And that's when I started getting more into fitness versus just sports. Yeah. So yeah, with those uh, years kind of stopping after that injury, what was your college experience like? What did you end up studying and how did your vision kind of change going in for your career then? Yeah, so I didn't know what I wanted to study. I always joke, like, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. No, <laughs> I, I never really knew what path I wanted to go down. So yeah. I was a communications major. And I just, like, my dad was a videographer. My mom was a physical therapist. And so I just, neither of them really sat behind desks. And I, I think it's not in, in a lube and blood to do that. Yeah. Um, so I studied communications with a, a media studies concentration and just learned about TV and film and I, I worked a handful of internships, um, and I, I think I realized I didn't just want to sit behind a desk and work like a traditional nine to five, and I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but I knew that, and when I was at college, I was the VP of my fraternity, and I was the VP of a community service organization. I was like hyper-localized Big Brothers called the Dream Program. Okay. And those were the things that I enjoyed was like trying to be the best with the team yeah. versus just like getting good grades, and I ended up putting a lot of time into it, and just just free time. I didn't have to. Yeah. Um, but ended up being fun. And then that's when I realized like kind of towards the end of college got caught the startup bug of like this. I don't know what entrepreneurship is. I don't know what founding a company is, but yeah, just building, building shit with a group of people. It's, yeah. it's fun for sure. So yeah, I'm curious right after college then did you, uh, you said you entered that startup kind of world. What, what did you end up getting into right away? Yeah. So when I was in college, because I was VP of two organizations, mm-hmm. 
LinkedIn and Facebook, uh, I would always get messages on those platforms to be like a brand ambassador for like a, a company or yeah. to send out a message because they're looking for brand ambassadors. And so right out of college, me and my older brother started a platform where we connected college students and brands mm. and uh, we built it to like 500 brands, 30,000 college students and did that for about a year and learned a lot, like learned about fundraising, learned about building platforms and we actually built a tech platform. So, mm. so learned about building tech. Um, and then that's when I realized it was like 24, 25 and I was still like selling college brand ambassador programs, which for me just like, wasn't I like something I really enjoyed doing. I just yeah. like, like the startup, like feel, feel of it and building something. Um, so that's when I, I sold the assets to a college marketing company. Um, and through that first company is when I met Josh. And then mm. we came together in 20, late 2017, because his company was going through a pivot. And that's where, where Slate was really that conceptually born. Wow. So you, you both entered another company. What, what kind of industry was that that you got into? I'm curious. So Josh was it. So right out of my first company is when I started Slate. And then Josh, his first company um, was a high tech startup too. It was, it was a platform that connected service providers and uh, startup CEOs. Yeah. So that's how we met Okay, um, was through that, that company. And his company was going through a pivot. I just stopped my first business. And that's when we came together and started Slate. Incredible. I would love to hear some of the origin for the listeners out there. So it, really, it's a, as I know, it's a healthier uh, chocolate milk is what you guys started as. Can you kind of explain what got you into that, especially with your athletic background and maybe with your co-founder, how that came together? Yeah, so Slate, what we thought we were helping to give chocolate milk a clean slate, that's where the name came from. Yep. But what we found is it's actually evolved more into a fitness brand. Like we say we sell strength through high protein chocolate milks or high protein shakes now a lot of people call them and yep. high protein coffees. And uh, in the early days, we were both just drinking a ton of lactose-free chocolate milk, super high in sugar, meant for kids, yep. not in sustainable packaging. And so we said, if we could fix all its problems, there's this white space in between kids' high sugar chocolate milks and artificial protein shakes. Yep. And if we want it, there are probably a lot of other people that want it too. And we came together, just started like meet, like we would meet on Northeastern's campus just to use their rooms. We'd brainstorm ideas on the wall. And we just what you just start chipping away, right? Yeah. There's no like when people ask how to start a company, everyone does it differently. Yeah. But when people ask us, we say, if I get if I was gonna give you ten grand or in thirty days you give me a business plan, what would you do? You just like figure it out. You yep. Google things, you call people, you just try to find a way and then you just learn from talking and Googling and doing and yep. then you just get better. For sure. Take us back to that formulating process. Like, what did that look like in the early days? Testing, taste testing. Were you guys formulating yourself, kind of? Yeah. So we, when it got to the formulation stage, this was maybe mid twenty eighteen now. Yeah. And we were both we we both weren't full time yet, and we went to Stop and Shop in Brighton, Mass, and we bought a bunch of ingredients because we said, all right, it's time to make a formula, and we mixed them all together and we tried it. And at that moment, we knew that we were not physically capable of creating the formula. Yeah. Like that was the moment where we want to do, we want to do everything we could ourselves yeah. because we didn't have any money to spend on it. We didn't want to spend any money on it. But that was the moment where we said, we, we are not physically capable of creating this recipe. Yeah. And that's when we raised our first check um, to pay for formulation. And we interviewed a handful of formulation companies and flavor houses, a formulation company will source flavors yep. and you'll pay them a fee and, and they'll basically do it for you and you'll work with them. Whereas a flavor house has their own flavors. A lot of times they'll, they'll do the formulation work for free, but you have to use their flavors. Yeah. So we ended up going with a, a formulation team. Um, and 
that's and we also learned a lot from them yep. in the early days because you know you, you pay people to, to do your job but you also ask a lot of questions you learn a lot yeah certainly uh knowing knowing kind of the formulation process and kind of when you hire someone in that realm it can be challenging to make sure that the co-packer can then produce that at scale i'm curious where did you guys look for uh production in the early stages especially not really being in cpg yourselves at that point did you have guidance or how was that yeah it was a lot of googling it was yeah. a lot of learning it was a lot of listening it was uh reaching out to people anyone that would talk to us just to, yeah. to learn the the lay of the land but at that point, I mean, then even now, even in five years, any brand, when you're building something, you're selling a dream. Like yeah. a lot of times, yes, you have data to back it up. You can show the market's growing. You can show, like, look at what's happening with this product and this product. And we're very similar and we're going to be more sustainable. And we're going to be better for you and it tastes. But yeah. at the end of the day, you're, you're selling a dream. Like you're, yeah. you're selling a vision and that's all, that's what startups are, right? Yeah. Convincing people to believe in your vision. And in the early days, we were fortunate to, to find people that believed in us and we're still selling a, a vision for the future. I love it. Take us to when you guys first started selling then. You guys launched the product. Were you, were you selling direct to consumer at all or was this retail? What, what did the early stages look like? Yeah, so our product is shelf stable. So okay. it does not require refrigeration. Yep. And we launched it into retail right around Thanksgiving 2019. Okay. And we were we were only around for about three months before the pandemic mm. and so during the pandemic we just couldn't go on shelves so we had launched in probably about 300 doors in late 2019 and then when the pandemic hit we pivoted mostly towards e-commerce we still have a, a strong e-commerce business we're, yeah. we're mostly a retail brand at this point yep. um, but the, the retail presence continues to grow yeah, I'm curious and that like uh, that timeline of 2020 what did that look like for you guys especially as a a uh, beverage like this, you have to convince consumers through taste, typically in, in retail tasting. How did how did you guys market at that time? Yeah, so at that point, we were a healthy chocolate milk. So in, yeah. in 2019, when we launched, we we wanted to be known for doing one thing very well. The companies that we think do well, it's what's your value prop in one line. And at that point, it was healthy chocolate milk. Yeah, right. And how do you differentiate in one line? So even today, like. For the rest of our lives, some people will know Josh and myself as the chocolate milk guys. And like, we're fine with that. Even though a lot of times what you think you're creating, you evolve past it. Yeah. Or you, some people pivot. We say ours is more of an evolution. Um, but at that time, it was you get the taste of chocolate milk, but you get the macros of a protein shake or, yeah. less, or a high protein coffee. And still, I think they're in, deep in our identity. It's still part of who we are. Yeah. Um, but today, it's less about that, that where the brand is evolving into. It's less about chocolate milk itself and sure. more about healthy protein yeah. and or clean healthy protein yeah certainly i'd love to hear kind of from the feedback you guys received what would you say is the main demographic mainly and it's a universal product but i mean you can go into fitness you can go to younger demographic what, what are you guys hitting do you see yeah we in terms of who we see consume sleep the most and again like you said it's kind of like a bullseye right like you have your core consumers that are consuming it the most but then there are a lot of rings around that for sure we're typically seeing what we call like the active millennial mm -hmm. anyone from 18 to 40 um that's fitness minded or healthy minded yeah where if someone is already drinking a, a muscle milk like scooping on muscle milk and they've been doing it for four years maybe they're they're not going to be our, our clientele right now yeah but maybe if their life changes and they're more on the go more often and they're picking up they need to pick up an RTD protein shake on, on the go. They go into the store and, and they see a slate that's all natural. Yeah. Um, maybe they make the switch over. But for us, it, a lot of the people that are drinking slate actually haven't had protein shakes in years. 
and a lot of them haven't had chocolate milk uh, chocolate milk in years either but just because of the macros where it's 100 to 120 cal 20 protein yeah. the coffees obviously you have your starbucks frappuccino out there that has significantly more calories and sugar than us yeah. uh, we have people making the switch over so our goal is to just provide clean healthy protein for everyone for sure at what point did you guys ex uh, decide to expand then? I saw you also provide lattes. Um, at what point was that? Why was that reasoning as well? Um, you can explain. Yeah. So when we launched in 2019, we had three flavors. We had a classic chocolate, yep. a dark chocolate, and at the time, what we called an espresso chocolate. Mm -hmm. So it was an espresso chocolate milk. We actually just rebranded that to mocha latte. Got it. And what we found is that in stores, the, the protein coffee blend was something that consumers really enjoyed, mm. where it allowed them to get 20 grams of protein, no added sugar with their coffee, um, with their 175 milligrams caffeine. And so that's why we started, we released a, a vanilla latte, which is another latte product. And there might be more lattes coming yep. because we found that it's a unique option that clearly the consumers wanted um, based on the data that we saw in the market. Yeah. Um, so can, can we dive into like Shark Tank a little bit? I saw that you guys were on Shark Tank. I, I have a few guests from the past who have been on the show. I'd love to hear what that experience was like for you guys launching just, I mean, just a fairly new startup in 2018. So what was that like for the two of you guys? It was definitely an out-of-body experience. I yeah. think if, any, uh, if anyone tells you otherwise, they're lying. Where, <laughs> look, it's it's probably the biggest stage still for, for founders. And yeah. For us, we knew going in that uh, there was going to be, we were probably going to disagree on a few things based yeah. on where the company was at. And uh, for us, it was, we're going to go in there and tell our story and stay true to who we are. And we always say we know what our company's worth, yeah. whether it's on national television with sophisticated investors or not. We, uh, we, we just, we don't really give special treatment. We want to find partners that want to work with us. For sure. And if, if we believe someone's going to add a lot of value, we try to make a deal work. And obviously we didn't get a deal on the show, but overall, I think that if anyone has the opportunity to do it, like you just got to do it. It's just yeah. one of those things where it's been around for a while. Um, they obviously have created an unbelievable brand yeah. themselves and, and a cult following. And um, it definitely, it, it's, it's a domino on our journey. Like sure. a lot of people heard about us. I'm pretty sure we're, we're re-airing like sometime this week too. Awesome. Um, yeah. It's, it was, it was a ride. Yeah, regardless of not getting a deal, I'm sure you guys see a massive spike when that aired. I'm curious, what what did that look like? Do you see a correlation when that show does air? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so you, we definitely know. We definitely feel it. I think that there's certain products that are um, more meant for that that see enormous spikes based on the products that they offer. Yeah. So I really just think it's brand to brand. Um, but I think our team will definitely feel something when uh, when we air it when it airs again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to the consumers out there who maybe haven't tried Slate before, um, can you kind of explain the difference between maybe their typical hot, or their chocolate milk that taste-wise, not the function, but taste, um, what they might see? Yeah. So when it comes to milk, I, I've, I'm involuntarily now a milk nerd. <laughs> so milk, you have your, your whole milk, you have your 2%, you have your 1%, and you have your skim milk. Yeah. So a lot of times what you see with chocolate milks is that they'll be either 2% or whole, Yep. which means they'll have a lot more fat. And a lot of people, you know, there's keto diet, high in fat. A lot of people enjoy fats, but every gram of fat has, and you told me not to talk about nutritionals, but I have. No, to. no, yeah, please go. <laughs> no, you definitely can. Every, yeah. <laughs> every gram of fat has nine calories. Yeah. And so something that is 2% or whole 
will have significantly more calories than something that's skim. Yeah. So our products, what we actually do is we use a process called ultra filtration. It's all natural. And basically it filters out the natural lactose sugars from milk mm. and a lot of the water. So our the output of our, our ultra filtered milk is almost like a condensed liquid, like a like a pure protein liquid, yeah. more or less. Um, and so that's what gives it a little bit more of the body versus a, a 2% or a whole milk. So our, our goal is to taste like a 2% without having any of the fat. Yeah. In terms of the sweetener system, we use a combination of monk fruit and stevia, which mm. gives it like a, a sweet taste, but it doesn't have the exact same taste of sugar. So yeah. some consumers out there just prefer the taste of sugar. Yeah. Um, obviously, sugar has way more calories. There's studies out there that it's not great for you. So we stay away from it. None of our products have any added sugar. And yeah. we actually have one gram of natural sugar in all of our drinks. Got it. So to consumers uh, questioning milk that is typically refrigerated, how, how do you make that shelf stable? And what can a consumer expect if they order direct to consumer to their home, for example? Yeah. So the, the pasteurization process of our milk, uh, if it was just white skim milk in, in uh, something that wasn't shelf stable versus our pasteurization process, they'd probably taste it. It actually might change the color slightly because we actually cook our cans to make them shelf stable. Got it. But because we use natural flavors, because we use natural sweeteners, um, the taste, you know, our goal is to emulate a chocolate milk yeah. and have the macros are a protein shake. So our goal is to have it tasted as close to a chocolate milk as possible. But at the end of the day, we like our, we have consumers everywhere that, that love the products. We have a great repeat purchase rate. Mm -hmm. There's still going to be consumers out there that, that don't like products, but there are consumers out there that we found that don't like the taste of chocolate milk that's on the market because it's too sweet. Yeah. So what we say is we create products for people that want them, not for people that don't want them. Yeah. Like if, if someone doesn't care about the sugar, the, the calories that they're putting in their body and they just want the sweetest product they, they can have, they're not going to like sleep, but that's not who the brand was created for. The brand was created for those people that want a great tasting product that's actually good for them. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's how we think about new products. That's how we think about taste, et cetera. Love it. Well, Manny, I'd like to conclude uh, each episode with this. If you can share one piece of advice with an inspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret, what would you say that would be? Oh, man. I would say that, uh, which, what Josh and I always say, yeah. is we, we say NLB. Never look back because you go through a moment, you're going to make mistakes. We still make mistakes. You learn from it, but you don't look back and think of what could have been like you're at that new place and then you just proceed. Yeah. So like you can't think about the wasted dollars. You can't think about the wasted time. All you can do is right after it happens, absorb it, learn from it, and then eyes forward and, yeah. and NLB never look back. I, love and I think that there, there have been, uh, we started doing that early on because we realized we spent a lot of, we, like, there's one moment early on where we just spent too much time thinking about what could have been. And we sat there, we're like, this is a freaking waste of time. Like, yeah. What are we doing? Like, let's just think about how we can solve for the problem that we've created. Mm. And that's what we're constantly doing, just solving problems yeah. um, within the business, but never look back. I love it. Well, Manny, thank you so much for joining me. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Slate Milk at slatemilk.com. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, Leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small on social platforms and make sure to subscribe to our email so you don't miss anything on Starting Small Summit, more podcast episodes, or our online blog. You can find that link in this description.